Okay, welcome everyone. We are up to Parshas Mishpatim. And I want to start off with a video that I watched a couple of years ago that was very profound when I was watching it then. And while I was learning the Sicha, I felt that it was very connected. So I want to share. For me, I get so much pleasure when I see non-Jews expressing how the world is shifting and talking about Mashiach concepts that we've learned all through history and in Uvoa and, you know, in Hasidus. And then hearing like the same concept that they're saying, oh, the world is shifting and we're going to a better world. And without, you know, obviously using the word Mashiach. And it just for me, it's like, oh my gosh, like, how could you not believe this if, you know, non-Jews and so many different people from so many different cultures all over the world are talking about this great shift that's happening. So anyway, so this guy, I don't remember his name. I think his name is Chiron or something. He was speaking about how can it be if we look around the world and we see the world is very, very heavily asleep, right? And, you know, the rules of the world are there's a bully and a victim and everyone is out to self-preserve and there's so much jealousy and so much competition and major countries fighting against each other. And he says, when you look around, logically, I mean, we just have really unjust, quote unquote, rules. I mean, we have just rules, but we don't keep them. And the world is a very wild jung jungle. And we all want a better world. We want a world where there's harmonious and we could rely on the fact that, you know, spend our money on building and producing versus protecting and fighting and you know, a world where we could send our kids to school and guarantee there will be no more bullies and everyone can know that they're loved for who they are. So he says, it just seems like so far-fetched. We're so far from that. How can that be? So it is explaining, he said, anyone who can believe in science and the concept like the world evolves, he says, it, you, this is science. Like it's not, it's logical how the world is going to change. And he says like this, he says, and, and it was so MS what he was sharing as I was like, it was so in line with Hasidus. He said that we have a subconscious and our subconscious really is all one. Like our, all of our subconscious is all connected. And I was thinking, yeah, at the end of the day, Hashem's essence is within us and it's all connected. And he said, the subconscious is really underlying what is making the rules. Like then on a subconscious level, we feel like, you know, the world is scarce and what? money's scarce. What was that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that the money's scarce and there's not enough space and there's not enough love and everything is limited. So we need to self-protect and we need to self-preserve. So, you know, if if one country looks at another country and says, oh, they're getting more power, more land. So I have to fight them because if they have more power and land, then that means not enough for me. Or, you know, um, I, I feel worthless. So I have to bully this other kid so that I could make sure, you know, to, to have value or there's not enough money. So we have to hold on. So he said, those are the rules because of our subconscious has been so shattered to believe false lies about reality. And he said, because we're all connected subconsciously, that if even just a few people, a small minority of people start cleaning out the subconscious and the false beliefs. And again, we've been speaking about this many times, but if we, even a few people clean out the subconscious and say, rewire it and say, no, of course, like this, the, there, there's abundance available and there's enough space for us all. And there's a higher power, a God conscious that's like loves us all equally and is within us. And, and you just shift those perspective, then it cleans out those subconscious beliefs and that everyone wakes up evolved with some, they don't even realize like where they wake up and they're like, 
why would I want to fight? Why would I want to, you know, steal? Why would I want to compete? Like there's enough. And they don't even know that they had a different belief the day before. And he said, basically, like, just like in science, that there's, they believe, like, obviously, we don't believe in evolution, we believe in spiritual evolution, like we're always evolving. But he said, that it's very logical that slowly, 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 as people shift their inner thinking and their inner beliefs, it just, everyone gets shifted as a result, because we're all interconnected. And that slowly, slowly, people wake up and have more consciousness of love, more consciousness of harmony, more consciousness of abundance, and the rules just shift and shift and shift until you wake up one day and there's just new rules and it's going to happen organically and naturally. So anyways, it was profound. And he's saying like, this is happening and get ready for an amazing world with everyone's just going to wake up and know the new rules and know how to treat each other. And then I was speaking to a friend this morning and she called me and she was so excited. She said, Chama, it's a me. And when she told me this, I was like, wow, this is so, thank you. This is so helpful for my, the class today because it's connected to the Sicha. She said, oh, we already see like a shift in the world, Mashiach, uh, Mashiach reality. She said that there's this woman who had um, organized like everything for a wedding, how to make a wedding in the most easy possible way. And someone from Crown Heights, I think, Alabavacher, and has like literally all the wedding halls and all the caterers and all the um, makeup artists and all the to-dos. And she said, you know what? And she wrote a beautiful poem. And she said, you know what? Instead of every all the parents of the chassan and kalas, the bride and groom, spending all your time like stressing and putting all this energy into figuring out how to make the wedding, I put it all on a website for you because I want you as the parents to have the pleasure and delight to enjoy the process of your child's engagement and make it so much easier for you so you can do what you really wanna do, enjoy the process and not have to be so stressed. And she said, isn't this amazing? She sent me the link and she said, look, there's no money involved. There's no, there's no agendas. There's no drama. Just, I have the pleasure of, I put all this effort in and I will have more pleasure making your life easier. That's it. That's the, that's it. And I, and we were reflecting on that and like celebrating that, the, the gula and that, that that's what it is. It's like, why not? Like, I want to make your life easier. I don't, you know, if I'm, if I'm inherently taken care of and there's enough money and there's enough abundance and you know, why wouldn't I want to spread joy? And then she said the most beautiful thing. And she's like, what's amazing. It is, it's already working. She said, for me, she's a very gifted teacher and she has years and years and years of curriculum that she's built up. And she said, I also have sometimes like I share, but sometimes I hold back because it's like, you know, I worked so hard and all of this. I'm like, you know, I'm a, I have a really great reputation. I'm a good teacher and have all this stuff. And she said, it makes me just want to be like, here, take this curriculum. All of us, there's enough for all of us to be amazing teachers. Let's all be the best. So that was the conversation this morning and um, very, very much connected to that. Um, you know, how does, how does this happen that this woman just all of a sudden today, you know, this week or whatever she, whenever she produced this website, that she has this desire to just put it out for free because the rules are changing. I mean, you can see it, you could see it already, like this whole concept of, sorry for the background noise, I have um, my son with his three friends and my daughter home. Oh, you don't hear it? I hear it. It's a loud blender going on. Anyways, um, so in in already we could see like with YouTube and Instagram, not that I'm a big fan of social media, I'm personally not at all, but it, there's a, been a shift where everyone's just like, I want to give, I want to give, I want to express, I want to, you know, and there's a lot of 
there's dark side to everything also, but the concept where we're shifting into the space of like, I have something and the pleasure of just giving it and the, the, the pleasure of giving and receiving and connecting is in itself a good goal. And we, we, the world was never like that. It was always like holding on, holding on, holding on. And it was all about monetary and all about agendas and all about competition. So these things we're starting to see, like naturally things are starting to shift. And it's like, how did this happen? Well, it's happening organically and naturally. We're just waking up, understanding new things. So this is very, 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 very much connected to this week's Sicha. That was just the intro in Parshas Mishpatim. And the Rebbe talks about this. We know, but what is Parshas Mishpatim? What is Mishpatim? You know what? Sorry, guys, I'm going to pause for a second. Okay, so as we know, Parshas this is Parshas Mishpatim, and Mishpatim are the laws that are logical, right? That make sense, like give tzedakah to the poor, right? If you have something, help help the poor, honor your parents, um, being kind, don't kill, don't steal. And the Rebbe says, it's so logical and it's so obvious and makes so much sense to the point that even if we didn't get the Torah, a common sense, like obviously, you know, don't kill, don't steal. And to the point that even non-Jews, the other nations, the Rebbe said, these are logical. And obviously, you know, people would want, generally, if you're a just person, you would want to keep these laws. So then the Rebbe asked a question, well, if it's so logical to be kind and loving and getting along, I mean, looking around, we don't necessarily see that. There's so much wars and so much hatred and so much competition and so much jealousy. So if we're saying that mishpatim is so logical and everyone, even people, even if we didn't get the Torah and even the whole world should be able to have this basic just and kindness, why aren't we seeing that? Why aren't we living with that? So then the rabbi is going to say something that's so beautiful. And again, those of you who have been following the classes until now, it's the same idea just with this like you know why was the feminine light squash and why did we feel worthless and so it's all the same thing so the rebbe is saying yes even though these laws are very logical and they make sense to human intellect the fact is that we were missing we weren't connected to the evan hashasia the foundational stone within us and what's the foundational stone that space of i'm safe i'm okay I have everything I need, that grounded space of that reassurance, the feeling of the truth of knowing that Hashem is literally holding us every single second and we're safe. And because we didn't access that in our bodies, we didn't feel that, even though the Avon the foundational stone of Hashem's essence, has always been with us, but we didn't feel it. We weren't, our bodies weren't ready, vessels to experience it and feel it. We felt the lack. We felt the lack of safety. We didn't have a place to land. And so we were constantly in self-preservation and self-protection and trying to chase safety. So therefore, there's this feeling that there's not enough safety. So we have to protect and we have to fight. And, you know, we have to go into war because we don't trust people. And, of course, Atmos. We didn't have access to Atmos, to the essence. And what's Atmos? Atmos is that feeling of pleasure, of connection, of love, of worthiness, of all that, like being one with Hashem. And so we didn't have that. And so again, we had to chase that. And so we felt like love was limited. And so we had to fight with our siblings and we had to like prove ourselves. And, you know, maybe I'll only be loved if I do this or if I speak like this or if I look like this. And and because we didn't have access to this, the source energy with Hashem, it created all of this. So as we know that when Mashiach comes, 
the world is going to be redeemed. Why? Because we're all each and every person is going to be reconnected to their personal Evanashasiya, their foundational stone feeling of grounded and safe, and also their personal atmos, a feeling of pleasure and connected and one with Hashem. Now the rabbi is going to say something so amazing. These sikhas, these the rabbi connects everything. There's no mistake. The day of the week, the day of the month, the current events. So that week, this is Parshas Mishpatim and Nun Beis in 92. And that, that week, I think it was on Tuesday, the rabbi said that the UN got together. He said the um, leaders of all the different nations got together and they had a conference and they decided that instead of on uh, a unified decision, then instead of spending so much money on protection and war, that they want to put more money on building and being strong and creating stronger communities and stronger land. And, and the Rebbe said, how is this possible? Like, why is it, you know, that the UN had this meeting this week? And, and he said, what is this? In other words, that like the prophecy that it says when Mashiach comes, we're going to, the world is going to take their weapons and turn it to plowshares. He said, this is a manifestation of that. He said that they're saying, let's spend less money on warfare and put more money on plowshares and building and becoming strong and like making a, a unified world. So the rabbi said, the fact that this happened, and even though this is obvious, for thousands of years, we should have been spending money on building up land and becoming strong and having a strong, loving communities. And yet we fought and fought and fought. He said, this is mishpatim. This is basic. This is logical. This is, we got it at, at Sinai. We should have known this. But because Mashiach wasn't here, we weren't accessing the, the even though it was logical, we weren't living it because we weren't embodied. It was more intellectual. It was like, yeah, we should be loving. Yeah, we should be kind. But we weren't feeling it in our body. So the fact that so all these nations got together and decided this, he said, this is a sign that Mashiach is here because it's obvious. And the fact that they're doing it and they're implementing it and they're wanting to do it is because there's already been a shift and the rules are shifting and changing. And so they, it's obvious for them to do it. But then the rabbi says, of course, he doesn't say, these are my words, but he's going to say, I know, I know what you're going to be thinking now. <laughs> Everyone's going to say, very, very nice. The UN had a meeting and they said, no more wars and we're going to have peace. Uh, 32 years later, look what's going on. Look what happened with Hamas. Look, there's a war going on right now, two wars, many wars. But the big wars we know is Ukraine and Russia and Hamas against Israel. So very nice, Rabbi. Like, where is this beautiful peace? So the rabbi preempts this and he says, and I know that we're going to look around and we're going to say very nice, you know, but there's still a lot of fighting and there's still a lot of war. So how could it be? And, and, and you actually hear the rabbi's pain. Actually, Sarah Shorts put out a, sent a rabbi video where the rabbi was crying and saying, how could it be? And I, I don't know, I, I felt almost when I was reading the sikha, it was like the same tone where the rabbi was like, if this is all possible and Mashiach's here, like, but yet there's still pain and there's still war. So, so how can it be? So then the rabbi said, the fact is Mashiach is here. And the fact that the UN had this meeting, it's because it's possible. But once again, whatever we don't see manifested in reality externally is because whatever is left is up to us, that we have to and that's how I started. That's why I started with that video where the guy said all of our subconscious is connected. And when we change the rules internally, 
we draw in and shift the world externally. So he said, if you don't see it now, then there's still some more work for you to do to make it into a reality. And then he's going to give specific to do's. He's going to tell us what we need to do. So I'm going to go through them and then we're going to read this all inside. You're going to see this all inside. The first thing before I give the direct, he gives five instructions, maybe even more, but there's going to be five instructions that I'm going to read with you guys today of what he tells us. But before I want to say, um, yeah, sure, Shoshana, you could type the to do's. Thank you. Um, I want to bring us back to last week again, because it's something I was reflecting on that I didn't emphasize. And I think it's really important that when the Rebbe said, if you remember, for those of you who heard the class last week, the Rebbe said, all that's left is to accept Mashiach. And then the Rebbe went all about the rabbit's in. And I was thinking about it. What does it mean? Why does the Rebbe use all this left is to accept Mashiach, you know? And it really like hit me deeply and I was resonating with it this week. Accept is such a true word for what's left right now because if you think about it and then the rebel goes on and on about the beautiful home and the physical and pleasure and delight and this is such a big wall and resistance for us and drawing down mashiach because we have such a hard time accepting what i should be a queen what i should be re- receiving i don't have to hustle and bustle what i should spend energy on delighting and pleasure like that's so wrong like how could that be and and um, I should, it's okay to interact with physical, like, no, I'm not okay with this. This is wrong. So like the rabbi is saying, it's like, we're blocking ourselves. We're like, I can't accept this. I can't, I will not stop. I, I'm not okay with not making myself crazy. I'm not okay with not being a martyr. I'm not okay with just with being and trusting and receiving. So the rabbi uses the word accept, like, are we willing to accept that Gula is a totally different reality than Gullahs? And it's so hard to understand and so hard to grasp because if it's anything like Gullahs, then it wouldn't be Gula. So are we willing to accept it? Are you willing to accept that you're a queen? Are you willing to accept that you're safe? Are you willing to accept that you're unconditionally loved and you're worthy of everything? That's up to us. And if we can't accept that, that's our subconscious that needs work to unblock and open up to that. So I just wanted to draw that attention to that because I thought that was very huge piece. Okay, now the the five directions, and again, we're gonna go, we're gonna read this all inside. So don't worry, we're gonna like discuss it more. Actually, does anyone have a question before we move on? I have a question. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering the connection of the mitzvah, the logical mitzvah in Parshas Mishpatim. Like, is it because we don't feel that Evan Hashasiah, so we need those sort of mitzvahs to protect us, or? Am I missing something? No, the, the point is the Rebbe is saying that mishpatim are logical laws, right? Be kind, don't kill, don't steal, don't fight, take care of the poor, honor your parents. Like it's all laws that are create a just reality, a just world that whether you're Jewish or not Jewish or have the Torah or not, like these are obvious things. But then the Rebbe is going to say, by the way, it's only obvious. We're going to read inside. It's only obvious because Hashem made it draw it down into the world that it's obvious. Without Hashem, we wouldn't. it wouldn't be obvious. But then the whole point, the, the Rebbe is saying, well, if these things are obvious, then we should be obviously implementing it. If it's so obvious, why isn't the world so kind and so loving and so just and taking care of the poor? And why are we? why is the world so not living that if it's so obvious? So there's a disconnect. Basically, the point is that the rabbi is saying that there's a disconnect. There's things that we know in our head, but we're not actually implementing it because there's a disconnect between what we know and how we actually live because we've always lived in our heads. So we talk about tzedakah, but are, are we actually being kind? 
We talk about Avas Yisrael. It's the most important mitzvah. Are we loving ourselves? Are we loving others? That's the point. So the rabbis saying now, in order like to bring more Mashiach in the world, it's, we can't keep these ideas in like, yeah, of course, it makes sense. We have to live it. We have to be it. And we have to embody it. Does that answer you, Sar? You get it? Okay. Gila, you wanted to ask something? Um, also about, and like you said, that we, it's difficult to accept what we um, are supposed to do now in Mashiach Titan. That also people, I heard someone say, Lubavitch lady, she said, yeah, but how can I be happy when people around me are in war? So that's exactly. also part of Golos thinking, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. And that's why I found like last week's Sicha was so important and powerful about the Rebetzin because it's 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 a really deep ingrained belief that it's really selfish to be happy when other people are not happy. And it's I, I struggle with that also sometimes. And the Rebetzin to me, it was so anchoring last week, you know, like really learning that Sicha and to understand like when the Rebetzin was alive and you know, those years of being a Rebetzin, there was so much needed externally from her, like, like you could look at and say, like there, she, the woman needed for bring-ins and, you know, it was such a hard time and difficult time. And yet she lived Geula and she lived and did, doing things that gave her joy and delight. So, I mean, clearly, and then the Rebbe saying that this is, you know, what's left and that we need to role model our life from her. So, it's it's normal that there's guilt, but you know that's why we're learning these things because hearing it from the rabbi gives us permission. Can I add something, Nachama? Yeah, I I just to validate um, also that that while the rabbi says that we can each have our own inner goola, where we're not going to feel it is where there's another person in pain. Like it's not a contradiction. Like that is yet what is unfinished as far as Gaula goes. But as if Hashem will have complete Gaula and nobody will feel anybody's pain because there won't be anymore. But until yeah. that happens, that's one thing that's going to still pull us down is other people's pain. The rabbi said that that's going to pull us down. I, I know those are my words, pull us down. But we will still, where we will not feel Gaula is when it comes to other people's pain. That's oh. going to still hurt us. We're still going to feel the pain of. Can I say things. something too? Yeah, but I just, I, yes, I just want to comment on that and say that mm. it's true. I mean, right, we could experience personal gula, but when we see people suffering around us, then it's obvious that it's not cosmic gula it's yet. And, right, and, right. Yes, but at the same time, and we've had this conversation, Javi, through text before. Um, yeah. I, what I what I would say, it's true. It is painful. But there's also an element that the more we take care of ourselves and really, 100%. yeah, it's, and, it's no, and comfort and comfort ourselves and everything that we could, we have the capacity. That's also the beauty that we have the capacity to be there for someone else and be an anchor of strength and and you know comfort and confidence and trust that someone that's what they really 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 need when they're struggling because we're so anchored and so well taken care of that we can provide that safe place because when everyone's in anxiety and everyone's in chaos, that's been the, that's what Gullus was that we, we never had anywhere to land. Our parents were anxious and our grandparents were anxious and our teachers were anxious and everyone was in anxiety. So there was no safe place to ever land. No one was showing us what's possible. 
hundred percent. You absolutely still say in your own knowing and and safety, a hundred percent, and the compassion. You can have the compassion. Yeah, too, and so the pain becomes out. less. I'm just saying that the pain also can become less, and you could also be there unconditionally for someone. Can I yeah. say something? Wait, yeah. Um, who is that? Bluma. Bluma, hi, yeah. Hi. So I feel like that you know how everything is energy, and every time you do a mitzvah, you're affecting the world. It's energetic so i feel like that when you know someone that's going through something that they're struggling and like the hostages in israel and people that are suffering you doing something positive bringing more good energy and positivity into the world is affecting them especially when you have them in mind so if these hostages are in pain and yourself and they're suffering everything that i'm doing i'm having them in mind so when i'm doing something for myself I'm bringing in good energy into the world. I'm taking care of myself. It's affecting them because that's my intention, to bring positivity into the world, to have an effect on them. And it's anyone that's struggling around you that you know that is having a hard time. You could do stuff for yourself, but it's not only for you. It's to bring goodness into the world, which is going to affect them also. 100%. That's beautiful. 100,000%. Thank you for sharing that. And also, if you think about it, like, yeah, one second. I, I used to feel like if my husband's in a hard place and struggling or if my kids, like, I would just go way down with them because it was just like, you know, it's almost like you want to, like, compassion almost felt like if someone's struggling, then I need to struggle with them. But it's like, from an object now, from a different perspective, I see, like, you know, if anyone is struggling around me in my home and I'm, like, kind of what I was saying before, but if I'm, like clear that this is theirs and I love them and I'm present for them and really embodying calm, trusting energy and I'm still happy yet compassionate, they get through it so much faster because it's like they also see what's possible. They they want, it's like they don't want to be stuck in that, you know, and then they feel safe and it just, it just works so much better. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, through trial and error, practicing it, and then you get through like all those feelings, the doubts and everything, and you experience it and you realize that your capacity is just grows and grows and grows. So yeah. Gila, you want to say something? Yeah, I'm asking Rachel's uh, question. And she asked if in this time we still have, if in this time hard work is still needed hard work like growth needed i assume um i i assume rachel you're asking about growth but um look i think yes that, that, thank you the um thank you so much gila yeah my second the second part was that i'm so knee deep in investing myself wholeheartedly in growth goals in what way do i redirect that energy so I think it's a really good question. And I think it's connected to what I was saying that we don't have access to the Evan Hashasia, which is that foundational space within us of Hashem holding us and protecting us and knowing that we're inherently safe and embodied and protected and grounded. So the thing is like the way we've been operating, the way we've been trying to make money, the way we've been trying to chase love, the way we've been trying to be successful and grow our organizations and take care of our families, all the hustle bustle was from a fragmented, fear-based control, trying to get somewhere without being grounded with Hashem. So everything feels very, very heavy and very hard work. When we surrender like Vayetze when Yaakov went and he was facing the darkness and before he went to Haran that he grounded and he lied down on the ground and he connected to Hashem 
and surrender and he got back to the space of oneness and flow and then he moved forward things don't even very difficult things don't it doesn't take away pain it doesn't take away I mean, it lessens pain for sure, but it doesn't take away the process. It doesn't mean we're skipping over or jumping over or transcending. We go through everything, but without that heaviness and without the fragmentation, without the intensity, we're doing it with Hashem from a surrendered place so we can get through it. And it's like, it actually can even be beautiful and it flows. So when it feels heavy and it feels intense and it feels like we're carrying the world on our shoulders, whatever it is, whether it's healing or taking care of our family or working or whatever, then it's a sign that we're fragmented and we're, we're carrying the burden and we're disconnected from Hashem. And then what I would suggest is completely letting go and getting objective again, like ground and recenter and get back into feeling one with Hashem. And then go with flow because when we're with Hashem, Hashem, we feel held by Hashem and things flow. It doesn't mean we're not doing, it just means that we're doing it with Hashem. So we feel carried, it feels much lighter. Okay, I'm gonna um, share these these five um, messages for us because it's a lot and then I'll pause again for questions and then we'll read inside. So the first thing the rabbi is gonna talk about is of course, how we treat each other. And how we treat each other, again, the Rebbe is talking about everything the Sikha is about. It's not just about talking about it anymore. It's embodying it and living it. And I think this is a, I wanted to give a really great example. Um, you know, first of all, loving, loving someone else, we can only love someone else as much as we can love ourselves. So when we talk about being kind to each other, you know, holding space, being considerate, being gentle, being tender, all of those things are skills that we could only access when we do it with ourselves. So if we really want the world to be a kinder place, we could ignore ourselves and say, hold signs and say, everyone in the world, you need to be kinder and you need to be better. And you know, in the Torah it says, love your fellow as yourself and spend and write messages on Instagram and try to change the world. Or we could work really on ourselves and being more tender, more loving, more kind, being how, how do we treat ourselves? Or how do we treat our husbands? How do we treat our kids? light up our home with love and tenderness and kindness and then become a lighthouse a base of migdash and that radiates out and and like like i started in the class like in the beginning that when we change the rules within ourselves it affects the whole world so when we change how we're what kindness and love how it feels how we treat ourselves we're helping the rest of the world also know how to treat themselves with love and kindness and of course it doesn't end there if you have to the way you love yourself you love others now, I was just thinking about this. I was speaking to also a friend about this the other day that one of the things that we know, like, you know, Avadazara, right? Idol worship is something that has been in all generations. And we could judge the previous generations and say, wow, I can't believe it. Like, why were they going to these idols, like these buildings with idols and feeding these like statues? Like, it's so ridiculous. But as we know, that there was a taiva for that. There was a desire because it was that generation and it shifts and the vai desire now, nowadays is different. So we could say it's money, it's, it's social media, you know, different things in our generation and definitely gossip, lashon hara. That it's like so many, it's, it's people get together and it's like, the, it's default. It's the easiest, lowest common denominator. It's like you get together and if you talk about the common person that you know, then there's a, it's an easy conversation. 
you know, and again, not everyone, but there's a lot of that. There's a lot of just people speaking about each other. And it's really important to know that that is such a Yetzirah. It's so evil because it's designed to keep you distracted from yourself. Because when you're uncomfortable or you're not like you're uncomfortable with emotional intimacy with someone else or you're uncomfortable with yourself or you're feeling worthless or you don't feel good enough. If you constantly talk about how bad everyone else is, then it's giving you this drug feeling of that you're okay, you know, that you're fine. But if you really, if we really work on, and if we understand that it's the Yetzirah's design to keep us distracted and away from ourselves, even just the consciousness of that hopefully could help. And then it's like, whoa, I'm finding myself gossiping again and talking about everyone else. And it's like, why? It's a red flag. Like, what is in me that's making me uncomfortable right now? Like, am I feeling worthless? Am I feeling unloved? Am I feeling unsafe? And and it's not being like angry at ourselves when it comes up, but use it as a red flag to draw us to notice that there's something needing tending inside. That's that's number one. Number two, the rabbi is going to speak. It's so fascinating. The rabbi speaks first. We're going to see the rabbi is going to speak about a brick, and a brick represents man-made, right? Because we make brick it's man-made versus stone that stone is made from hashem it's a creation right like there's certain things that man doesn't make stone we could build with stones but stone is hashem made so the rabbi is going to speak in a few different times and we're going to read it that the third the ba- the wall of yerushalayim and the third base of Migdash is going to be built with stones and gems and and there's the rabbi says like there's almost like a machlekes. Is it with this stone or with that stone or this gem or that gem? And the Rebbe says, of course, with Mashiach, there's no machlekes. There's no room for disagreement or argument. There's going to be that stone and that stone. It's going to be all of us. And then, and the Rebbe is hinting and because he keeps connecting it to Avis Yisrael, to getting along, that we're going to build this. As we get along, we're going to build this this um, wall around Yerushalayim with this stone and that stone. What's the stone, the gem, the gem, our gem, we all have a gem inside of us, that Evan Hashasiya, that stone within us that's Hashem, that's, again, beyond fragmentation, beyond all the voices, beyond our sins and our struggles and our trauma and everything, there's this inherent grounded space of, I'm one with Hashem, it's that, that our gold, you know, there's different terms, like our gold, our essence, who we really are, that inherent space, our core that's that stone we're a gem and we each have a different gem because we each have a different part of Hashem's essence and some of us are like you know aqua gems and and pearls and 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 rubies and diamonds and how do we build this the base of Migdash how do we build this new world but each of us showing up as who we really are and 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 through each of us saying you know I'm a part of Hashem and you're a part of Hashem and and we express it differently and we show up differently and we see things differently but that's so beautiful because Hashem is infinite and instead of making our difference into a fight I'll use my part of Hashem to build this part of the world and you'll use you and that's that's the third base of Megdash that's Mashiach that's interdependence instead of saying I have to do I have to be everything because otherwise I'm scared that you know someone will be better than me no, it's light, it's flowing. This is my quality. This is my gift. This is your gift. Let's combine. Let's get together. Let's, we don't have to, none of us have, this doesn't have to be heavy. This is gonna be so pleasurable. I'm good at this and you're good at this. And there's, Hashem made it this way. There's enough room for everyone. It's Hashem's beautiful design. So that's number two. Number three, Hashem, um, the rabbi is gonna say is that 
as we know that when when Hashem says to make a mishkan, He says first make a mishkan inside of them, right? And that is alluding to the fact that it's within us. And then the Rebbe says that the first place in order to build, the, we want a third base of measures. We want the world to change. It first has to start. The Rebbe says first in our body, in our heart, and then ultimately we'll have a ripple effect in the world. Meaning, we have to heal our own body and our own heart and find Hashem within us first. Again, the same idea, but you're going to see in the Rebbe's words. Number four, the Rebbe says, when it talks about Kohanim, Birchas Kohanim, the Rebbe is saying, we're all Kohanim. Meaning, we know the Kohanim are so special and they worked in the Beis HaMikdash and they were so loved and so honored and so holy. The Rebbe says, you're all Kohanim, every single Jew and Jewess. You're all Kohanim, you're all holy, you're all perfect, beautiful priests in the in the eyes of Hashem. And what are the Kohanim? They come from Aaron, right? And Aaron was unconditional love. And he always made peace in the world. So he said, first of all, again, the same idea, but in different words, the Rebbe is saying, if everyone knows that they're Kohanim and act like Kohanim, first, you know that you're a Kayan, treat yourself like a Kayan. And then automatically, just like the Bracha, the Berchas Kohanim brings so much blessing to the world. When you yourself are like a Kayan and treat yourself like a Kayan, you're going to bring the the Bracha, of the, the Kohanim Bracha to the whole world and elevate the whole world. And the last thing the rabbi says, Shavisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid, which is a quote that says, like, always have Hashem in front of you, live, living with Hashem constantly. And the rabbi said, which Hashem, the essence of Hashem. And that first, that everyone, again, that each person, if they access the Hashem's essence within them and, and living with their flow of Hashem's essence within them, that automatically mirrors for everyone else to be able to find their essence. And with each person living with essence more and more and more then the Hashem's essence, his infinite essence is going to be finally redeemed within each everyone in each and every one of us. And of course, then everyone's going to know the new rules and it's going to be automatic and we're all going to create this beautiful, new, harmonious world together. So you're ready to see this all inside. If anyone has a comment or question, go ahead. I'm just going to open this up. Okay. So page 245. Um, let's see what ice this is. I've one comment. Yes. So to connect it with the, what we talked before that uh, when we do our work, then it's good for others, also for the people in Israel. So mm -hmm. this, we, you just said that when we feel that Hashem in me, that will help other people to see their reflection in us for them. That also will bring more Kedusha and more Hashem into the world. That's also good for everyone. Exactly. A hundred percent. Okay, thank you. So we're in Ice Dalid, um, second paragraph, page 245. The content of the Torah portion of Mishpatim is, as its name denotes, laws between man and his friend that are obligated by human intellect. Things that are said in the Torah as a law, which had they not been said, it would have made sense to say them to the extent that if the Torah would not have been given, we would have learned modesty from a cat and we would have learned not to steal from an ant. And furthermore, their obligation is understood not only in the intellect of the Jewish people, a wise nation, rather also in the intellect of the nations of the world, 
to the extent that it is possible that regarding several laws, the nations of the, of the world judge them in a similar manner as the laws of the Jewish people. So this is so far, the Rebbe is just saying, Mishpatim are logical, it makes sense. Like I said before, everyone, it's, it's, it's just, in order to make a just world, it's, it's obvious. Okay, now I dial um, hey bottom of two forty five, and e now the rabbi is going to say any. Can I just say something? Yeah, it's just so amazing how everything is so connected because, um, you know, Rafael Chaimer Ben Simachasha who um, drowned and he's in a coma and his and his mother doing everything she can for him. So okay. she instituted that um, everyone says Perik Shira for days, um, at least four women. And so I started saying it when she asked us to and talking all about how we learn from the world, all of the Mishpatim. And she started it this week. So it's just Whoa. crazy. Wow. That is. Yeah. There's these Sikhas really like bring to attention that there's no mistake. Every single thing that's happening is all, all in line. I mean, even like someone posted the Hayyam Yam this week, right? It's like everything, the Chitas, everything is all connected. Okay, so and even deeper, that the intellectual obligation is an outcome of the fact that regarding these commands, the will mm -hmm. of Hashem, yeah? Remind, remind what page and where you're reading. Um, now I'm on 247, the top. That regarding these commands, the will of Hashem, which on its own transcends understandings, understanding was clothed also in the wisdom of Hashem in the Torah. And since the Torah is the blueprints with which the world was created, these laws became obligatory from the world's point of view and automatically also in human intellect, including the intellect of the nations of the world, that they have an innate leaning toward the laws that are obliga obligatory from the viewpoint of the wisdom of Hashem. So here the rabbi is saying, on one hand, you could say these are so logical, everyone should know, but deeper than that, we only know it because Hashem took his wisdom and drew it into the world. So it's obviously you shouldn't steal. What do you mean obviously? Hashem created the world that we shouldn't steal. So we know it because Hashem, so everything that we know is really from Hashem. So, but we only had access to a little bit of Hashem. So we only knew a little bit, but the more and more and more we uncover Hashem's essence, our body just knows. That's why it says when Mashiach comes, we, no one will need to teach anyone. We won't need to have someone outside of us telling what to do. No one will have to be forced. There will be no officers because everyone's just going to know, what do you mean? Like, why would we do anything against Hashem? Like, my body would never let me. Okay, now 247 on the other side. I think, I guess we're in still ice, hey? And the ultimate perfection of this will be in the days of Mashiach. The preoccupation of the entire world, even the nations of the world, will only be to know Hashem, as it says, for the world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem, namely that the knowledge of Hashem Knowing the wisdom of godliness and the like, the main phenomenon of Sinai is drawn forth and permeates human intellect. And we may say that this idea is alluded to also, okay, this paragraph is very powerful. It's a little bit complex, but I will, I'll explain. And we may say that this idea is alluded to also in the conclusion of the Torah portion. No, I'm going to say in my own words first so that when you read it, you can understand. So the end of Parsha's Mishpatim, the last few lines, it says that the elders, um, and Maisha and Nadav and Avio and Aaron, they go up to, they go up to the, not to the top of the mountain, but they go closer. And all of a sudden they see a revelation, like they see Hashem and that it says, um, and they saw, they here, and they saw Hashem of Israel and beneath his feet, there was a brick of sapphire um, and they saw Hashem and they ate and drank. 
So this is a quote from the Torah. And so the rabbi is going to say here, what is this? First of all, what is this brick? What does this represent? And what does it mean that they ate and drink? And also, why does it say vayechazu? Because vayechazu is, and they saw, but it's in Arabic. So the rabbi is like asking, why does the Torah use the word Arabic? So I might not actually even read this because I said it in my own words. So the rabbi is saying that this paragraph, this line is represents something so deep that they were able, first of all, that they were able to face Hashem and see Hashem and they didn't die. They didn't leave their bodies. They were able to absorb Hashem. They were on a level that they were able to see it and stay standing. And what was this brick that they saw with Sapphire? That Hashem's essence was so drawn and so permeated and so integrated into the world that it was specific in a brick. What's a brick? A brick like I said before, a brick is man-made. It's if he would have been in a stone, it's a stone is a Hashem made, it's transcendent. A brick is man-made. So it was saying like, after they got the Torah, Hashem revealed himself to the Zikanim, to the elders and to Misha and to Aaron in a way of like, look, you could absorb me like, like a brick. Like my essence is so integrated that it's even in a man-made material, it's so down to earth. And then, why does it use the word vayachazu in Arabic? Because Arabic is a translated language. So again, the rabbi is saying it's expansion. It's like that Hashem is within all the languages and with all the nations and accessible and integrated. And that they ate and drank afterwards. The rabbi is saying it wasn't really actually ate and drink. That it was like they were able to absorb Hashem's essence and absorb the spiritual level like eating and drinking. Like it became, it was sustenance for them. It was like like where they were able to chew it over and integrate it and, and stay grounded. Actually, it says at a certain point in the school process, we won't eat and, and we don't need to eat and drink. We're going to be sustained by this spiritual essence. So it's like that. They had that mini Gaula experience. So anyway, so the rabbi is saying that, what is the rabbi saying? That before Mishpatim, it was laws. We understood. It was logic. We talked about it a lot. You know, we got up and said very profound speeches with a lot of quotes. Did it actually permeate us? So the Rebbe is saying it has to be like permeated like a brick, like down to our material, down to the way we cook, down to the way we talk, down to the way we sleep, down to the way we're doing everything, like how we live our lives and the, in, in the languages and with all the nations and the way we eat and drink, the way how we talk, how we live. It has to be, not only it has to be that when Mashiach comes, it's going to be so ingrained in who we are. There's going to be no separation. Okay. So now the rabbi is going to say, that's very nice, but it, where's the reality of this? Okay. Um, uh, I6, Vav 249. And with this, we can truly appreciate the above mentioned event, the decision and announcement of the leaders of the world nations regarding the state of, and they will beat their swords into plowshares and Arab Shabbos of the Torah portion of Mishpatim. I already told you the context of this. It said in earlier in the Sikha that the UN met that week. And they will beat their swords into plowshares is a concept that is understood and obligated also by human intellect. Since human intellect obligates the world existing through righteousness and justice, thus negating war, which brings destruction, heaven forbid, to the extent of ultimately destroying warfare and transforming them into tools that contribute to the settling of the land, plowshares. And notwithstanding this, throughout all the generations, many wars were rage, raged between nations of the world, which brought about destruction in the world opposite of what is obligated by human intellect. The rabbi is asking, how could it be if this is so obvious? Why is there wars? Why is there fighting? 
We must therefore say that the true reason for the fact that in the recent time period we see a desire to end the era of wars in the world and the beginning of a new era in which the world exists through righteousness, justice, peace, and unity, as exceedingly emphasized in the decision and announcement of the leaders of the world's nations on this era of Shabbos, is since the intellectual obligation existed um, wait, no, not only due to the intellectual obligation, intellectually understood laws, since the intellectual obligation existed also in all the generations before this. So, oh, the Rebbe is saying, you can't say that they made this decision because it's obvious, because it was obvious for thousands of years, and we already got Mishpatim years and years ago, and that didn't work. They still were having war. So you can't say, oh, because it's a law, that's why they're having this. There must be something deeper. So rather also, and mainly because we're approaching the time about which the Torah announced from Sinai that they will beat their swords into plowshares. Continuing, and based on this, we may say that the decision and announcement of the leaders of the world's nations on Erev Shabbos of this Torah portion of Mishpatim regarding the state and then they will beat their swords into plowshares is an outcome of the decision and announcement of the kings, the rabbis, that here he, King Mashiach, comes beginning with the ruling of my revered father-in-law, the rebel leader of our generation, that we have already completed our deeds and service of the time of exile, and we are already prepared to accept Mashiach. So, so again, so I'm just reading what I said. The Rebbe is saying the fact that this happened is because Mashiach reality, the new rules became, it's in the air. It's available. Okay, but now let's, okay. Now, soon the Rebbe is going to say, but, but why is there still wars now? But we're going to take a little pause here, and we're going to do what we're going to use our 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 minds a little bit and do a little Gemara. So, because um, I, I think it's it's so profound. So the so the Rebbe then talks talks about in Mishpatim. There's different categories, okay? And it, it, the layout in the Torah, and I looked it up in the Chumash. There's three different categories. There's a few different categories, but three of the different categories it goes in this order is. First about destruction, like if there's, what are the laws if, you know, there's a destruction with fire or destruction with an ox or destruction with a pit? What do you do, right? You're walking down the street and you fall into a pit. What happens? Then there's other laws that's mechleikas, like, you know, argument between people like, oh, no, there's a lost object and no, it's my wallet. No, it's your wallet. Okay, well, what do we do? And then the end is talking about laws in terms of settling the land and getting into the land of Eretz Yisrael and what's gonna happen when they settle the land. And the Rebbe says that these three are also divided into three, that it's order of, um, in Gemara, it's Nezikin, and it's the three Babas. So again, I didn't grow up learning Gemara, but there's Baba, um, Baba Kama, Baba Metzia, and Baba Basra, which is all, and it's these three are the three categories where the Gemara talks about, the Talmud talks about, like, what do you do? And it expands on this. And then the Rebbe is going to say that these three are the three stages of exile to Gula, from Gaulus to Gula, where in the beginning, and we're going to read this inside, that Gaulus was like one big pit, one big fire, one big, everyone was an ox. Like, I'm going to... And what do ox do? And then it talks about, like in, in Baba Basra, when it talks about the damages, what are the ox? It either tramples or it hurts you or it destroys you. That, that's that's how we were in Gullis. Like, I'm going to trample on you and I'm going to suppress you and I'm going to outdo you and I'm going to be better than you and I don't care about your feelings, right? Or like fire, it's like anger, destruction or pits. We put people in pits, right? Like, 
I don't see you. You don't exist. You're invisible. That was Gullus. And then a little bit better is the next stage is Machlekes. It's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to destroy you, but I'm still going to fend for myself. I'm still going to make sure that there's territory for me. So it's an improvement. But Geula is when we're settling the land, when there's enough, where we're not fighting and there's, there's enough for me and there's enough for you and let's settle down. So I just thought it was, it's, it's a little like detailed, but I, 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 I got an enjoyment from learning it. So it's a, just a couple of paragraphs. It's Eis Ches. So furthermore, and mainly also in the Torah portion of Mishpatim itself, we can see the connection to the end of the time of exile and the beginning of the redemption based on the explanation of the Torah portion of Mishpatim in the oral Torah, in the Gemara. The laws which are discussed in the Torah portion of Mishpatim regarding matters between man and his friend are explained in the oral Torah in the order of Nezikin, which the entire Nezikin, in essence, is one tractate. He then divided the first tractate into three parts, beginning with Bava Kama, which discusses damages, example, an ox, a pit, fire, and one who wounds his friend. Wounds his friend. We all talk about our wounds, right? <laughs> very exile. Um, afterwards, Bava Metzia, which is, discusses claims, guardianship, rentals, and the laws of bar borrowers and hired workers. Um, and, and after the law, um, and when people will quarrel. So again, it's not talking about hurting, it's talking about quarreling, machlaikis. Um, afterwards, Bava Basar, which discusses the division of land and the laws regarding shared dwellings. And then I'm going to skip a paragraph. Um, the other side of 253, and the explanation of this. Nezikin damages alludes to the general time of exile, um, which, which is divided into three, corresponding to the three general exiles, when there are undesirable matters in the world, beginning with the four basic damages. During Bavakama, the first stage of exile, and likewise matters of disagreement and quarrels, this one says I found it, and this one says I found it, they shall divide it, during the Bavamitsia middle stage of exile. So the, again, the first stage of exile when there's like serious, serious fire and hurt and pain, then there's quarreling and fighting. And I can't be your friend if you, you know, if you're a, a, pub, a Republican or you're a Democrat or you're too from or you're too Hasidish or you're too this or you're too that, or I, I can't agree with you because that's where we're at. You know, I mean, we're hopefully healing. Hopefully we're not there. Hopefully we're in the third stage, but there is a lot of that in the world. Um, until the Bava Basra, the last stage, the end and culmination of the exile, which starts off with the partners that want to make a division in the courtyard, that from their goodwill, they are doing this because they want to, inferring to the fact that if they do not want to, they're not obligated. Without being forced to do so, they discuss the manner to eliminate the damage of one of them seeing what the other one is doing in privacy. So this, the last one of Bava, um, Basar is talking about also when talking about like neighbors, right? Like, let's say you have a plot of land and you're building and it's like, where should we put this wall? And we want to put a wall, not because we're dividing. The Rebbe is saying it's not division. It's because of honor, of privacy. I don't want, I honor you. I don't, you're, you know, your family life is intimate. I want to put up a wall because I don't want to know what's in your private business, not my business. Your business is your business, my business, my business, but we're neighbors. So how can we make a wall in a way that we're, we're connected, we love each other, but while honoring each other's privacy and in goodwill and with desire. So, the, so that's the end of this part of Gemara and the Rebbe saying that this is Geula. Now, now we're gonna go into, um, now where the Rebbe is gonna say about the stones, building the stones. 
one paragraph down, 255. And to add that in the tractate of Baba Basra, the end and culmination of the exile, there is allusion also to the true and complete redemption through Mashiach in the known Talmudic passage in which many of the prophecies of the redemption are expounded upon. And among them, in the future, Hashem will make a feast for the righteous from the flesh of the Leviathan. In the future, Hashem will make a sukkah, a tent for the righteous from the skin of the Leviathan. And this is the part, and I will make their gates of kudkud. In the stones of the walls of Yerushalayim, one said kudkud means onyx, and another one said jasper, upon which Hashem said to them, it shall be this as well as that, both types of precious stones. We're going to do another paragraph about the stones, but what the Rebbe is saying is, what if, what, what if my talents are not good enough? What if, what if this person's bringing Mashiach more than me? What if I'm not good enough? The Rebbe says, you're good enough. This person's good enough. This part, you have this part of Hashem. This part has that part of Hashem. It's all part of building the the build uh, the the new world. You're exactly the way you need to be. You're you have a precious stone of Hashem inside of you. Why are you even comparing? You're all making it happen, each in your own way. Now, Ice Tess. Um, okay, so now the rabbi is going to ask two fifty five in the bottom. That's we're talking nice theory, very beautiful. But where is Mashiach? The above spoken intensifies the wonder together with the great distress and so much so that due to the greatness of the distress, it is inappropriate to speak too much about it on Shabbos. How is it possible that the Jewish people will still find themselves in exile on Masai until when? It's very nice. We're, we're saying all these beautiful things, but like, look, there's exile still around us. So now we're going to go ice Yud 257. Now we're going to, I circled which parts we're going to talk about the direction from the Rebbe, what we need to do. And from this, we understand the great necessity to add with advanced vigor and great strength in the manners that hasten and bring the redemption in true actuality, literally, immediately. Mishpatim, um, details of the laws between man and his friend in a peaceful manner, and obviously not doing the opposite, thereby nullifying the reason for the last exile which through this, the redemption comes as the words of our sages regarding the virtue of, of justice, which it, with it, Jerusalem is built. As the verse says, Sion is redeemed with justice. So the Rebbe is saying, again, how is Jerusalem being built? Meaning, how is Eretz going to be built? Through justice, through kindness, through love. And now the next paragraph I'm going to read is 259. Um, towards One second. The yeah. How is justice, kindness? justice, like tzedakah, kindness, thinking about other people, being considerate, sharing. And then now the Rebbe just said that it's through justice that we build Yerushalayim. And now I want to show you again, the Rebbe is going to say another um, paragraph here about building that we build through the stones. Um, 259, the end of Ice Yud, towards the end. The third to last paragraph and the wording of the beginning of tractate Bava Basra that the partners that desire. So again, the Rebbe is bringing back. Remember, we just said that they that the Gula is about that we desire it. We want to. We're talking in peace. We're not. I don't have to make the wall. I want to make the wall. I don't have to do. I don't have to give this class. I want to give this class. What do you mean? It's a pleasure. That's what we're talking about. We're, the new world is like, I have to. Hashem and me is bursting in me like this is joy We're no one's forcing anyone. But how would I not like this is like this is delight so that the conduct and relation between one another is in a manner of two partners in which one wants the good of the other partner. 
of course, of course, I want everyone to be happy. Of course, I want to share this delight with others. Of course, why wouldn't I want my neighbor to be happy too, like, and get a taste of this? Why would I want to share it with myself? I'll just have more delight if my friend also has this. And through this, they build the wall of Gauzes. What's Gauzes? The Rebbe says, hewn stones. Gauzes is stones, which we may say that this alludes to the building of the Beis Migdash as the continuation of the Talmudic path passage all of these precious stones the standard guzzes which are hewn stone size and in continuation to this the talmud speaks about the virtue of the second base of migdash greater than the first both in structure as well as in the amount of years it stood as it is written the honor of this last house will be greater than the first one which this verse refers to and mainly to the third base of migdash as explained in the zahar so again you have to like put dots together but the rebbe keeps saying avisisral kindness desire love stones so it's through us showing up from our gem place that we are literally rebuilding the new world and rebuilding the base of Migdash. And again, each stone is unique. Each stone is different, but that's what makes, why would we all want, if you have a wall with all one stone, it's much more pretty to have a mosaic with a bunch of different colors and a bunch of different types. That's, that's much more attractive. Okay. And then we're going to end off, uh, not end off yet, but 259, the bottom. I have just a few more paragraphs, but 259, the end of Ice Yud. And in continuation to this, also the instruction from the beginning of the, this is the third instruction about Bishachanti Bisaycham, that we have to have a base of Mikdash inside of us first. And in continuation to this, also the instruction from the beginning of the entire portion of Truma, which we read during the Mincha prayer of the Shabbos, and they shall make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them beginning with the individual sanctuary within each and every Jew. In it, it does not say, ra- it, doesn't, it, it, it does not say in it, rather it says in them, which within each and every one, within one's heart and in one's house and in one's room, that it becomes a house of Torah prayer and acts of kindness. So the rabbi, like breaking in them, in your heart, in your house, in your room, it starts with your heart and then it extends to your house and then it extends to the world. Now, one, now I'm going to do the two last things is about, um, actually the last, yeah, two paragraphs is about being a kaihain. Ice Yod Aleph 259. And there is a special impairment for all the above in these days. Now, again, the Rebbe, there nothing goes by every connection. So the Rebbe is saying, in addition to the unique advantage of the month of Shva, because we're still in the month of Shva, and we spoke a lot about the advantage of Shva, that it's 11, it's transcendent. We are now coming from the 25th of the month, and 25th is Chafhei, which alludes to Ka. Chafhei is Ka, so, which is the beginning of the blessing of the Kohanim blessing, so shall they bless the Jewish people, the priestly blessing, to bless his nation, the Jewish people, with love, specifically and likewise regarding the priestly blessing with which each and every Jew, Jewess, blesses, and they shall be for me a kingdom of priests, at the beginning of every day, following the blessing of the Torah, which must be said with a feeling of love of our fellow Jew, as emphasized also in the fact that in continuation to this, each and every Jew says, I hereby accept upon myself the positive commandment to love your fellow as yourself. So the Rebbe, it's amazing, these connections, like, okay, it's the 25th day of Shvat, who cares? No, but it's Chafhei, Ka, it's connected to being a Kayin. And the rabbi's not just saying, love your fellow. He's saying, he understands. You have to know that you're a kain. If you know you're a kain, treat yourself like a kain. And if you treat yourself like a kain, you're going to know how to treat others. And obviously, obviously then, and then not only are we going to need to wait three times a year to get the bracha from the kohanim, 
only from the Kohanim in the shul, the whole world's going to be Kohanim and the whole world's going to be blessed and every single day and from every single person. And then to continue, now that, now we're on the 26th day. So, and following this, the 26th day of the month, Arab Shabbos, for anyone who wants like smoke to come out of their brain, um, the numerical the numerical values of the name Havaya, Yud, K, Vav, K, right? Vav and He, 20, so is the new yud hey and vav and hey is 26 so we're coming up to the 26th day which is connected to the fulfillment of the mitzvah so shall you bless the jewish people through the kohanim in the base of migdash and the preparation for this how do we become a kohan and how do we give brachas and how do we change the world and have obvious now the rabbi is saying the preparation for this is through the service of the jewish people in a manner of shavisi hashem lenegdi samid i place havaya before me always, even during the time of exile, which through this, we, and now the Rebbe is saying, even when it's exile and even when there's pain and even when there's a war in Gaza, I'm still living with Avaya, I'm still living with pleasure, I'm still honoring joy and delight and living with Hashem in front of me and trusting and living with faith, which through this, we hasten and bring about the revelation of the name Havaya in the entire world after and through its revelation in the priestly blessing in the base Hamigdash. That through it starting with us, that actually draws out that we will actually have the Kohanim in the third base Hamigdash. May it be so soon, immediately, as the rabbi says, literally, immediately, now. L'chaim, I'm gonna turn off the recording.